0: All right, thank you, young people. I'm going to head downstairs for your class, and let's go back in our Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Of course, with the beginning of the new year, we, we go through the process of thinking through the year, considering... Maybe a theme, considering maybe a special emphasis, we're going to take our theme from Mary and look at the challenge she gives us, especially in verse number 38 today. We've gone through this passage and we've seen several lessons. We've we've talked about Mary's reserve as far as when she is initially presented with the fact that she is going to give birth to God in the flesh. It created some conflict and some turmoil in her mind and in her soul she tried to kind of put pieces together and figure out logically how this was going to affect her and her wife and her child and she took some principles from Old Testament prophecy she took some lessons from the life of Abraham and we know that through some th- things that she has said. And she knew that the Messiah would come, probably didn't know that it was going to come about the way it did. Certainly did not know it was going to involve her. And so when she's presented with this humanly impossible situation and God is asking her to give her life to be used by God, she has some conflict. So she responds by gently asking some questions. How can this be? Seeing I don't have a husband. Never been with a man. She understood science and biology and how babies come into the world. And so, obviously, humanly speaking, what God is saying through Gabriel is impossible. So, God answers her questions. And she gradually accepts. Even though she doesn't completely understand. And we know she doesn't completely understand. We know that this is going to be an ongoing thing throughout the rest of her life. She is going to be continually pondering these things in her heart. But she comes to the place where she is willing to say, Be it unto me, verse 38, according to your word. I may not understand it all and I can't put all the pieces together, but God, your God... And I trust you. And then God shows grace. By sending her to Elizabeth. Who is now six months pregnant. Elizabeth and Zechariah. Are beyond childbearing years. And, and yet. She Elizabeth. Is pregnant with the forerunner. Prophesied by Malachi. The forerunner of Christ. And when she. She arrives at their home and calls out to Elizabeth. John, as a baby, leaps in Elizabeth's womb, and God assures Mary that he's behind all this. And yet the strongest assurance that she could have received was, according to Elizabeth, God would perform what he's promised, God will keep His word. And obviously there's some genuine amazement that God would use her this way. I mean, who is Mary? A teenager from of all places, Nazareth, this out-of-the-way place that nobody <laughs> ever goes to unless you're going away from Nazareth. Nazareth didn't have a good reputation. And yet, God sends an angel to her. And God, angels didn't come to women, they came to men. We read about that in other texts and places in Scripture, but, but not to women, especially teenagers. And yet, God sends Gabriel, one of the highest ranking of angels, the same angel who God sent to Daniel, the prophet, comes to Mary. And says, you're part of the plan." And then she offers glory and adoration. That tremendous poem, song, magnificent, it's called. Where she declares that she needs a Savior. My soul, verse 46, doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. She knows she needs a Savior, and she's going to give birth to Him. As we go into this new year, as we begin today, 2017, let's take another lesson from Mary, and let's make this the theme for what we do as a church this year. So let's stop and let's pray and then we'll get into the scriptures. Father, teach us and make us willing. I pray, Father, that we might have Mary's humility, that we might have Mary's amazement, that we might glorify our Lord the way she did. We would be willing the way she was. Help me to preach your words. And I ask in the name of our Savior. Amen. Our emphasis will be in verse 38 Mary's resolve. I tried to and I don't know that I have clearly or even effectively emphasize the the wonder of this situation the conflict and turmoil no one has ever Faced this kind of situation. No one has ever been asked to do what God is asking Mary to do. No other person in history, I mean, and for Mary, the mindset is Jewish. And so she's thinking to herself. Why didn't God ask this of Abraham and Sarah? Now, we know and she knew that Sarah was older and beyond childbearing years just like Abram was. And and yet she bore a son. But, But this is different. Isaac had an earthly father. And God is asking her to give birth to a child when she doesn't have a husband. And the child will not have an earthly father. Not even Abraham and Sarah have been asked. And even Isaiah the prophet. As we mentioned last week. Isaiah the prophet. The one who tells us that a virgin will conceive and bear a son. And and call his name Emmanuel. Even Isaiah with his new wife. It's not the same because their son has an earthly father. This is totally new. Completely impossible, humanly speaking. And so it is no wonder she is asking, wondering, questioning, but she isn't asking as a skeptic, she's asking as a submissive servant. Verse 38, look there with me. And Mary said, behold the female doulas, the female slave of the Lord, the handmaid of the Lord. Now again, just so you know, the term we have translated handmaid in in the Bible language is female doulas. A doulas slave was not one who was serving a master under duress or even unwillingly. A doulos slave, and the word dulas is the Bible word that I'm describing, the slave that I'm telling you about, the kind of slave. A doulos slave had been one who had been set free. And yet they loved their master so much. They loved the one they served so much that they were willing to give up their freedom and spend the rest of their life serving a master they loved. And so, in essence, Mary is saying to God here, God, I'm just your female servant. I'm just your lady slave. I'm just a lowly servant. I contend that for many of us, some of the greatest conflicts that come in our Christian life, and even some of the times when we fail the Lord the most, are the result of forgetting who we really are. At best, and it is best, every child of God is a doulos. Or at least should be. Sometimes even Bible translations soften the blow for us. I mean, the word "handmade." Doesn't sound as drastic as female slave, does it? But it's the same word. And even other times when the Bible uses the term the servant of the Lord, Paul often would de- de- describe himself, James. When he wrote his letter, described himself as the servant of the Lord, and it just kind of it kind of reminds us of maybe some you know indentured servants or somebody uh, an employee who who worked for a, a, a someone and was paid for what no, no 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 that's not the Bible word the Bible word is slave, and I understand the discomfort with that word. I mean, we have one of the darkest periods of American history. You, We we don't like the word slave or slavery because of history. But now listen, don't let history rob us of what the Bible is trying to remind us. The Bible is trying to remind us that every believer should come to the place in our lives where we are willing, although we are free, to say, at best I'm just a servant. Slave. And it is best when I'm a slave. Because we would have the best master. You see, Mary, Mary understood who she was, what she was, In relation to God. Let me say another thing. Not only do I believe that some of the greatest conflicts. In times of failure in our life. Is because we forget who we are. One of the reasons that I think we resist. This label of slave. Or even resist. The ministry of being a slave to Christ. I think one of the reasons we resist that. Is because. We don't have worship in it's right priority. Or at least we're not worshiping according to priority. I know I've said this to you before. But I just want to remind you. That if you and I would want or could or would trace or work through the source of our sin issues, of our conflicts with each other, as families or even as fellow believers, if we could could go to the source of those things, what we're going to find is there's a worship problem. There's a worship problem. And that's why some of us don't want or will not or don't serve Jesus as a master. Because we have a worship problem. He is not worshipped as he deserves. And there are other idols of our heart. There's self, there's finances, there's uh, concern about what people think about us. There's there's the desire not to cause problems and make everybody happy, and and and, and 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 there's this turmoil and struggle, all because we basically are not worshiping Jesus as King. See, Mary, Mary teaches us that if we would worship. God the way he ought to and deserves to be worshipped, this thing of being a slave would not be a problem. Behold, she says, here I am. I'm I'm your slave. One of the things that would Identify a doula, a doula slave, was when they chose to dedicate the rest of their life to serving their master. It was kind of a little ceremony. The master would take an awl, A W L, you know what awl is, right? I think I spelled that right. Thing that they used to punch hole in leathers with leather and those those kind of things. Maybe you still use them, I don't know. Um, They would take one of those and then they would take that, that one who is volunteering to serve the master the rest of their life, they would take their earlobe, put it against a post, a door post, and drive that all through their earlobe. There was a mark. It was a mark of identity. It was saying to the world, I have given my life to my master. Friends, I think when you and I come to the place where Jesus is king and we worship him worship, and we worship him rightly and as he deserves it will mark the way we live our lives even to the point that other people will see and know who our master really is Do you view yourself as servant or master? Frank Sinatra's theme, I did it my way. It's not what a believer is going to sing. At least it's not going to be the theme of your life. I'm just a servant, just a slave. Jesus is king. Jesus is my master. But I also want you to see this. She says it this way as well. Be it unto you. And then she adds, according to thy word, be it unto me. So she, she, as a servant, is willingly giving her life to her master, to her king. And then she says, I am willing. Be it unto me. I am willing. Now again, we won't take the time and go through all of what she's saying she's willing to go through. Rejection, scorn, mock, ridicule. You you get that. You can think through those things on your own. But let's think in terms of when you and I say that to our Lord. I am willing. That means whatever God chooses, whatever God allows, we're willing. To so let God be God in our life. Whatever, that's easy for the good stuff. That's easy for the easy stuff. That's easy for the blessing time. That's easy when we do have more money than months. That's easy when bills are paid. That's easy when everyone is healthy. That's easy when there's no struggle or turmoil or hardship. That's easy when there's no trouble at work or at home. That's easy in the good times. But Mary wasn't facing good times. And she knew it. And yet she's willing to say, I Am willing. Remember we talked about Jesus growing in wisdom and knowledge he learned from his mother? Luke twenty two, forty two. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read it to you because I wonder if, it, if this lesson of being willing to do whatever God asks. I wonder if she told young Jesus this story at times about how all of this came about and, and how she she surrendered herself as a slave and was willing to do whatever God asked her to do. I wonder if she taught Jesus that because Jesus is going to do the same thing. In Luke 22, 42, this is what Jesus said. Father, if You are willing, remove this cup from Me. Nevertheless not my will but thine be done there's a way to live folks god not my will oh but how easy is it for us how how easy is it for us to usurp our will to want our way and expect God to understand and be okay with it not my will but yours what if God wants you to have financial problems is are we willing to say your will be done. What if God wants you to be sick? You say God doesn't want anybody to be sick. I'm afraid, yes, He does. <coughs> and we know that from even the ministry of the Lord Jesus because when He healed people, there were times He would... There, there, there was one particular occasion. He made very clear that everybody understood it wasn't because the man who was sick was a sinner or his parents were, were, were sinners. It was so that God would be glorified in that man's life. You understand that being sick may be the way God chooses to use you to say to the world, God is good. And right. And can be trusted. What if God wants you or someone you love to go through the valley of the shadow of death? Not my will, but God, your will be done. Can we really say that? Folks, the theme that we want to emphasize through this year is that question. Are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to put your door, or excuse me, your ear on the doorpost? Are you willing to submit your will to his? Are you willing to say to God, you are good and I trust you? Are you willing to bow before your master like Mary? Let's ask a couple of questions. Are you willing to trust God in anything He sends into your life, whether you understand it or not? Think about that a second. The fact is much of what God does send into our lives we don't understand. But are we willing... To trust God in anything He sends into your anything He sends into your life. Remember Job. Anything, whether we understand it or not, God is not always going to give us very clear answers. He even He didn't even do that for Mary. He gave her some answers, but he didn't answer every question. Because if God answered every question, there wouldn't be faith, would there? We wouldn't need to trust. So, are you willing to trust God in anything He sends into your life, whether you understand it or not? Number two, are you willing to obey anything the Bible clearly says to do, whether you like it or not? Are you willing to obey anything the Bible clearly says to do, whether you like it or not? What does the Bible say about church, about loving one another, about unity? What does the Bible say about sin issues that we struggle with? What does the Bible say about relationships with other people? What does the Bible say about my priorities? What does the Bible say about my money? My time? Are we willing to obey anything the Bible clearly says? Even when we don't understand it or like it. And I do want to remind you that the Bible does say that as believers, we are slaves. Now I want to kind of come at this from a different viewpoint by asking this question. Can God be trusted with your life? Can God be trusted with your life? I mean, our scripture reading this morning. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Can God be trusted when I do that? I mean, if I'm going to give my life over to someone or something, shouldn't I have the assurance that he can handle it? And I don't mean to be irreverent putting it that way. Just by way of maybe illustration, can God handle your life? Now, you're going to have to think with me on this. You're going to have to imagine a little bit with me on this. But let's, uh, let's imagine that the thickness of this piece of paper, thickness, all right, this from top to bottom, how thick that is. Let's imagine that the thickness of that paper represents 93 million miles. The distance between here and the sun. Alright? So this, the thickness of this piece of paper, and and the question we're trying to answer is, can God be trusted when I give him my life? (coughs) So the thickness of this paper represents 93 million miles. (coughs) If we take that thought and represent with pieces of paper stacked one on top of the other, if we represent the distance from the earth to the next nearest star, obviously the nearest star is 93 million miles, but if we represent the the distance between earth and the next nearest star, we'd have to have a stack of paper 70 feet high. If we wanted to represent the diameter of the Milky Way, that's a line straight across the middle of the Milky Way, so to speak. If we wanted to represent the diameter of the Milky Way, we would need a stack of paper 300 miles high. Now keep in mind that there are more galaxies in the universe, galaxies are made up of stars. There are more galaxies in the universe than we can number. And we're finding more all the time. Matter of fact, some people say there are as many galaxies as there is sand on the seashores. And yet we read in Scripture, By Him are all things created, and by Him all things consist, they're held together. Hey, can God be trusted with your life? If He can hold together the vastness of creation, which really is beyond our comprehension. Why are we so quick to usurp His authority and counter what the King says with what we want. Thinking. That we actually. Know better. And can do better. I'm afraid that many of us. Simply view Jesus. As a consultant. When things go wrong we pull out the, the file dial up the consultant Jesus I need, I, I, I need a few principles so I can make it through today make me feel better about life right now I need to be warm and fuzzy and we treat Jesus as a consultant as a spare tire really we only get him out when we need him You see, Mary teaches us one very clear lesson. He is so much more than a consultant, he's king. Are you willing? Let's bow for prayer, please. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.